Welcome and thanks for listening to the sermon podcast from First Presbyterian Church of Honolulu. Today is Palm Sunday. We remember the day Jesus entered Jerusalem. Back then, the people were ready and waiting with their palm fronds. Here's First Pres Senior Pastor Dan Chun with more on the importance of that day and how it translates to us today. It's Palm Sunday. You can feel the energy. You all are clapping and waving your palm fronds and everything. That's amazing. And it's important to recognize what happened on that day. And people realize on that day that Jesus was special. And here's what the Bible says in the Gospel of John about that famous day. So I'm going to ask you to please stand in honor of the word being read. Just keeping you active so you don't fall asleep when I preach. Okay, this is what it says in John Uh, 12, verse 12. The next day, the great crowd that had come to the festival heard that Jesus was coming to Jerusalem. So they took branches of palm trees, not coconut trees, and went out to meet him, shouting, Hosanna, blessed is the one who comes in the name of the Lord, the King of Israel. And Jesus found a donkey and sat on it, as it is written, do not be afraid, daughter of Zion. Look, Your king is coming, sitting on a donkey's colt. His disciples did not understand these things at first, but when Jesus was glorified, then they remembered that these things had been written of him and had been done to him. May God bless the reading of his word. Thanks be to God. Please be seated. So in that last verse, 16, The Bible says the disciples didn't understand the importance of the day at first. But only after Jesus was resurrected did they get it that Jesus was indeed the Messiah. And the crowd thought that Jesus was going to be their human king, but didn't quite get it that he was the king of kings and that he was God in the form of a human. And less than a week later, a crowd demanded that Jerusalem's uh, procurator, Pontius Pilate, to crucify Jesus in place of a criminal named Barabbas. So the town switched the tables and the town chose Barabbas instead of Jesus, who is our loving God in the form of a man. Incredible. It sometimes is hard to recognize people for who they are, um, especially now, sometimes they're wearing masks or trying to remember who they are now that they are not wearing masks. You know, last week I went to um, a Pacific Business News Women Who Mean Business dinner that honored uh, our own Susan Murray with a Career Achievement Award for what she has done for Hawaii. Well deserved. Um, I don't know, Susan here today by chance? Maybe it's the next service, okay. Well, she just retired from her position as COO, Chief Operating Officer of Queens uh, West Hospital. And uh, so I'm at this banquet dinner, and I am sitting at a table of women whom I've never met. And I introduced myself to the woman next to me who said that she works for a well-known Hawaiian trust. And I'm um, thinking, well, she might be a trustee. So um, I asked, is this like a full-time position or a part-time position? And she then told me that she was the executive director. And I go, yeah, right, like I knew that. 
And then also at the table was a young woman named Courtney. And I said, hi, Courtney. Um, I'm Dan Chun. Uh, so what do you do? At which four of the women at the table said in unison, she's Miss Hawaii. Right, I knew that. I, I knew that. <laughs> brilliant, brilliant. Congratulations. Um, then I went up to Susan's table, and when I saw her, I gave her a congratulatory hug, you know, and proclaimed my congratulations, gave her a card, you know, and she um, introduced to me someone at her table who was a high-ranking physician at Queen's Hospital. And so I said my usual, hi, I'm Dan Chun, to which he said, Dan, I've been going to your church for years. <laughs> right, I knew that. And he wasn't even wearing a mask. Uh, but then he did say the last two years he had been watching uh, mainly online. He kind of let me down easy. It's important to recognize people for who they are. And on Palm Sunday, people proclaimed Jesus as special. But a week later, they decided he was not special at all and that he should be executed. The disciples knew Jesus was special, but didn't recognize him until after he was resurrected and came back from the dead. And only then did they know he was really special, as no one in the history of humankind has come back from death, resurrected. He is God. Our challenge is to know Jesus as who he really is. And Palm Sunday is a very big day in our calendar. Jesus came to the holy city of Jerusalem, on that day with great fanfare, right? Palm trees, or palm fronds, not palm trees. Uh, <laughs> and uh, laying down uh, coats before him. It was the beginning of incredible events, right? That whole week, there was the Last Supper and his profound teaching during that meal. Then his incredible prayer in a garden of Gethsemane. And then, unfortunately, a betrayal and his arrest and the travesty of a court judgment which led to his wrongful crucifixion uh, and then, but resurrection. All critically important events of his life on a Christian's calendar, and we know that as Palm Sunday, Monday, Thursday, Good Friday, and then Easter. Then came Pentecost, right? And we preached on that some 50 days later when the Holy Spirit came to comfort the disciples and eventually us to give us counsel and give us power to live on this earth in ways that please God. In a sense, due to the Holy Spirit, we become like Marvel superheroes whom God gives us special powers and the desire to strengthen and encourage and comfort people. And these special powers are called spiritual gifts in the Bible. And there are various lists in the New Testament of what they are, and they could be supernatural gifts in healing or administration or mercy or compassion, artistry, and many other areas. And these gifts are not to bring glory to ourselves, but to do those three things, to strengthen, to encourage, and comfort others. The next big event that will happen, which is much greater than Jesus arriving in Jerusalem, is Jesus returning to earth. And we just sang about it, right? He's coming on the clouds, and king and kingdoms will bow down, and... Um, in reading, reading scripture, angels are all coming with him in glory. And there's a lot of talk right now about the last days. Are we living in the last days right now? 
So I don't want to scare anyone today, but let's take a look at this. In the Gospel of Matthew, Jesus gives us eight clues about when the last days are coming. And this not to create anxiety for anyone, but since Jesus gave us these signs, and there are many other signs in Scripture, I want to just read this one paragraph to say, here is what Jesus says are the signs of the last days. It's in the Gospel of Matthew, uh, chapter 24, starting with verse 3. And so let me uh, read it for us. When Jesus was sitting on the Mount of Olives, his disciples came to him privately, interesting, saying, tell us, when will this be and what will be the sign of your coming and the end of the age? And Jesus answered them, beware that no one leads you astray. For many will come in my name, saying, I am the Messiah, and they will lead many astray. And you will hear of wars and rumors of wars. See that you're not alarmed, for this must take place, but the end is not yet. For nation will rise against nation, and kingdom against kingdom. And there will be famines and earthquakes in various places. All this is but the beginning of the birth pangs. Then they will hand you over to be tortured, and you will be put to death, and you will be hated by all nations because of my name. Then many will fall away, and they will betray one another and hate one another, and many false prophets will arise and lead many astray. And because of the increase of lawlessness, the love of many will grow cold. But the one who endures to the end will be saved. And this good news of the kingdom will be proclaimed throughout the world as a testimony to all the nations, and then the end will come. Okay, so may God bless the reading of his word. So in this passage, there are at least eight signs that the end times are coming, and Jesus is about to come back. And they will be, number one, false prophets, people claiming to be Messiah-like. Two, wars and threats of wars. Three, increase in natural disasters, and I would add famines, that was mentioned. Four, Christians will be persecuted in their faith. Five, many will leave the faith. Six, there will be internal discord among Christians. Seven, immorality will increase in the land. And eight, this is the best one, the gospel will be proclaimed to the entire world. So are these the last days? Jesus said only God the Father knows exactly when that will happen. <clears throat> so don't trust anyone who tells you they know the exact day. No one knows. <clears throat> so how do these eight signs match up for today? Well, number one, as to false prophets, Yes, there are many, many false teachers online who think they know it all. Number two, wars. There is great conflict between countries, with Ukraine being the most current and the most severe. And if bully countries like Russia keep invading innocent countries, there will be a lot more in the world. Number three, increase in natural disasters. Yes. More fires, earthquakes, pollution, climate change, leading to more famines. 
Four, persecutions. Yes, Christians are indeed persecuted all over the world. Imprisoned, tortured, killed. Five, many will leave the faith. I think all the polls show in America a higher rate of atheists, agnostics, and what are called the exiles, those who have left the church, and the duns. They're just done, and they're all leaving the church. Number six, internal discord among Christians. Yes, pandemic and politics split God's church. Masks, no masks. Vaccines, no vaccines. Has caused tremendous internal division among Christians. So that's internal discord. Number seven, immorality, increase of immorality in the land. Yes, and it's not that local crime or, or war crimes have decreased, still happening, still increasing. And number eight, that good positive one, is being asked, has the gospel been proclaimed around the world? Yes through online services and live streaming and digital media. Indeed, the gospel is being proclaimed throughout the world in ways that we've not seen in other centuries. So, one could make a case that maybe we're living in the end times. <clears throat> but remember, only God the Father knows when that will happen. So don't believe anyone who says for certainty, this is the date. Now, I'm with Billy Graham, who states that not all Christians agree on every detail of what will occur in the last days. It's, it is not that clear in the Bible. Lots of interesting and differing uh, interpretations. But all Christians do agree that Christ will one day return bodily and visibly. But the details of how this will happen is up to the Heavenly Father. However, I am intrigued that I have friends who have said that these are definitely the last days. So I asked them, so what are you going to do um, in light of your belief? And one person said to me, we were taking a walk, and he says, well, I'm going to buy a lot of guns. And I said, really? Uh, why are you doing that? I mean, it's not that I'm against the Second Amendment, but Jesus said, whoever lives by the sword will die by the sword. And another person said, he is going to get into cryptocurrency. And I said, really? Um, it's not that I'm against capitalism, but when Jesus comes back and the great rapture occurs, he'll be taking his followers with him. So why are you still here buying bitcoins? Unless you're not a follower of Christ and you missed the rapture. So I said to them, if Jesus is coming back, you guys are going to get more guns and more money to prepare no, 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 you don't get it. When Jesus comes back on that day, the whistle blows, it's game over. Forget the guns, forget the money, time is up. Unless you miss the rapture when Jesus takes all the believers with him into heaven and you're still around, better commit to Christ today than buying guns or making more money that won't protect you more than the living Christ. That's the big decision. After the Hosanna and the Hallelujahs of Palm Sunday, where are you really with Jesus? So, if we, should, if we shouldn't get into more money or more guns, which are both interesting responses, how does Jesus want us to live right now if these are the last days? After he described the signs of the end times, 
Jesus articulates very clearly in the very next chapter how we should live. So you ready for this? We've talked about this before, but let's have a review. It's in Matthew chapter 25, beginning with verse 31, and I'm going to read it for you. When the Son of Man comes in his glory and all the angels with him, then he will sit on the throne of his glory and all the nations will be gathered before him and he will separate one from another as a shepherd separates the sheep from the goats and he will put the sheep at his right hand. So you can't all go, bah, right now, bah, amazing. And then on the left, he will put the goats. And I went to Wikipedia and they say, goats go, Meh, meh. Go ahead. Meh, meh. Well done, goats. Then the king will say to those at his right hand, Come, you that are blessed by his father, inherit the kingdom prepared for you from the foundation of the world. Because I was hungry and you gave me food, and I was thirsty and you gave me drink, and I was a stranger and you welcomed me. I was naked and you gave me clothing, and I was sick and you took care of me. I was in prison and you visited me. Then the righteous, they're going to answer him, Lord, when was it that we saw you hungry and gave you food or thirsty and gave you drink? And when was it that we saw that you were a stranger and welcomed you and you were naked and gave you clothing? And when was it that we saw you sick or in prison and visited you? And the king will answer them, truly. I tell you, just as you did it to one of the least of these who are members of my family, that's how he describes it in Scripture, you did it to me. Then he will say to those on the left, you that are accursed, depart from me. Sorry, you're sitting there. Depart from me into the eternal fire. Get this prepared for the devil and his angels. For I was hungry, and you gave me no food, and I was thirsty, and you gave me nothing to drink, and I was a stranger, and you didn't welcome me, and naked, and you didn't give me clothing, and sick, and in prison, and you didn't visit me. And then they will answer, Lord, when was it that we saw you hungry, or when you were thirsty, or a stranger, or naked, or sick in prison, and didn't take care of you? And then he will answer them, truly, I tell you, just as you didn't, did not do it to one of the least of these, you didn't do it to me. And these, according to Scripture, I quote his words, and these will go away into eternal punishment, but the righteous into eternal life. Aren't you glad you sat there and not over here? Well, that's not what you would call a heartwarming story. Well, it's certainly a hot one if you make the wrong decision. But Jesus said in the Gospel of Luke, chapter 9, verse 62, this is a long chapter, no one who puts a hand on the plow and looks back is fit for the kingdom of God. Looking back meaning longing for the old selfish ways of the world you used to live. Jesus is saying that when he returns, 
He wants you to have your hand on the plow, doing his work, doing his ministry, helping people in need, meaning he hopes you will be active about it and not just thinking about it, but active in doing, in Jesus' name, good in this world, in your home, in your office, in your community, in your family. And you better be helping the hungry and the thirsty, the stranger in a strange land, the immigrant, the sick, or those in prison. And Jesus said he is so serious about this that it would be like separating the the goats and the sheep to distinguish who has been living according to how God wants us to do. And the consequences are horrible for those goats who don't take his word seriously. And likewise, those who are active in the things of justice and doing good and serving the community and building the city will be fantastically blessed. Um, you know, it's a, I'm going to go a little off script. Um, you know, in this world, we have this phrase called GOAT, like the greatest of all time is an acronym, GOAT. You know, they say like Tom Brady is the GOAT of football because he's so good at it. Um, but we realize then that how God def- defines goat is a little different, right? I mean, if, you, and by the way, I love Tom Brady, but if Tom Brady went to heaven and he says, hey, I'm the goat, so I deserve to be here. And Jesus says, oh, what are you doing? He goes, well, I threw a lot of touchdown passes and uh, I have a $40 million house and I have a beautiful wife and I, I went to the Super Bowl a lot. God's criteria is like way different of what it means to be a goat, right? Um, There's that old hymn um, that is, um, I Surrender All. I don't know if you all know that. Your young people going, eh. Um, It it, it goes like, um, all to Jesus I surrender, all to him I freely give, Uh, I will ever love and trust him in his presence daily live. And then it goes to the chorus like, I surrender all, I surrender all, um, all to these my blessed Savior, I surrender all. And that's a great hymn if we mean it, right? I mean, we, sometimes we just sing it, I surrender, 10%. I surrender, 10%. Actually, statistically, Americans, it's really, I surrender, 2%. Interesting, if you're poorer, it's I surrender, 4%. Puts us to shame. Um, so we got to be serious, and I'm not talking about money here, I surrender all. I'm talking about our, our life to surrender all. And, you know, we are on the home stretch of, of serious fasting these last 30 plus days that ends on um, Easter Sunday. And fasting is super important because we can get caught up in the cares and the stresses of the world that we forget to prioritize Jesus and make room for him in our hearts. And so with discipline, our church always fasts in the spring and in the fall to pull back from the things of the world to concentrate more on the things of the, of the Lord and, and get more living like the sheep than the goats. And, and, and praise God for you all 
uh, who chose to fast things like sarcasm and criticism and pessimism, you have made life easier for all of us. Uh, for those of you who fasted caffeine, um, you have made life harder for us. <laughs> just kidding. But just doing a fast, just because it is a ritual, that's not the purpose of a fast, right? Just going to a church or a temple should never be a ritual, but something we do to make room for God in our lives and to be in community and help the community. A fast is really a love letter to God and the desire to live how he wants us to live. I wrote a devotional for you all at the very beginning of the fast, and maybe you all didn't have time to read it. And um, I talked about this passage from Isaiah, which clearly, articulately, stunningly tells us what God, not us, what God wants us to do in a fast. And here's what God's word in the book of Isaiah um, said of what he wants us to do. And he said this, uh, beginning in verse 2, which speaks to us and churches and our country. He says this, Yet they act so pious. They come to the temple every day and seem delighted, seem delighted to learn all about me. And they act like a righteous nation that would never abandon the laws of its God. They ask me to take action on their behalf pretending they want to be near me. We have fasted before you, they say. Why aren't you impressed? We have been very hard on ourselves, and you don't even notice it? I tell you why, I respond. It's because you are fasting to please yourself. Even while you fast, you keep oppressing your workers. What good is fasting when you keep on fighting and quarreling? This kind of fasting will never get you anywhere with me. You humble yourselves by going through the motions of penance, bowing your heads like reeds bending in the wind. You dress in burlap, cover yourself with ashes. Is this what you call fasting? Do you think this will please the Lord? No. This is the kind of fasting I want. Free those who are wrongly imprisoned. Lighten the burden of those who work for you. Let the oppressed go free. Remove the chains that bind people. Share your food with the hungry. Give shelter to the homeless. Give clothes to those who need them. And don't hide from relatives who need your help. Then, in the eighth verse of Isaiah 58, then your salvation will come like the dawn and your wounds will quickly heal. Your godliness will lead you forward and the glory of the Lord will protect you from behind. And then when you call, the Lord will answer. Yes, I am here, he will quickly reply. Remove the heavy yoke of oppression. Stop pointing your finger and spreading vicious rumors. Sounds like a lot of online stuff. Feed the hungry and help those in trouble. Then your light will shine out from the darkness and the darkness around you will be as bright as noon. The Lord will guide you continually, giving you water when you are dry and restoring your strength and you will be like a well-watered garden, like an ever-flowing spring. 
and some of you will rebuild the deserted ruins of your cities, and then you will be known as a rebuilder of wars, walls and restorer of homes. Amen. The Old Testament words of God sound like the New Testament words of Jesus. When Jesus returns, we better be helping the hungry, the poor, the stranger, which could be interpreted as a sojourner from another land, the imprisoned, and yes, finally, telling them the good news of Jesus. Tell our loved ones. Tell our friends about the real Jesus, the real Lord who said he wants to be our real friend. So very practically, what can we do right now to tell people about Jesus? Easter. Sunday is next week already. Because of the pandemic, the Star Advertiser stopped running an Easter church section. And we decided not to run our ad in the main section of the newspaper because it was just too expensive. But it's okay because we believe that the single most powerful and effective way to get the word out about our Easter services is not through newspaper ads or TV commercials or even social media posts. The strongest invite to our church is through personal invites. You asking a friend, a neighbor, a family member, a coworker, a classmate, someone who's at the gym with you. So we're equipping you with a few tools to help you invite others to Easter next week. And the first is these business card-sized invitations, and they talk about our Tenebrae service on one side and our Easter service on the other. Now, was there a bundle of them on each of your seats when you came in? Okay, even more important, just flood the welcome table and pick up the bundle uh, for that. And uh, for those of you online, come to the Tenebrae service um, on Thursday and you can grab a bunch, take as many as you need. The second tool is the email. You got this past Wednesday and you'll get another one this coming Wednesday that you can forward to a friend. And if you didn't get that email, give us a call um, or email us and we'll send you that. That's very easy to zip out to many people. So in essence, we need to get very serious, especially if it's the last days, about the work Jesus would want us to do with our hands on the plow doing his ministry. And I want you to think about the people in your life right now that might need a touch from God, friends, uh, you know, who might be looking for hope and some relief and unsure of how to connect with God and ask the Holy Spirit that we know from Pentecost to guide you because get this, you might be the only Easter invitation someone gets for this Easter. So when Jesus comes, be involved in spreading the news about him he full-on told us to do that, especially in the last days. And no, it is the Lord speaking to us through the Scriptures. May we not, like 2,000 years ago, decide to imprison Jesus and put him away so that we can go on with our worldly ways of just wanting to make more money or get more guns. When Jesus returns, 
I hope we are thrilled rather than nervous or scared or worried. And who knows when it will happen? Last days, end times, how should we then live? Well, I think the Lord made it pretty clear how we should be living right now, every day, and to work towards that. When he comes, may our hands be on the plow, working for his good, and to help the city we live in, not to take, but to give, and to strengthen, and encourage, and comfort. Amen? Amen. Now, as important as all of what I just shared, it's really more important that we all know where we are with the Lord. And if he is coming back, would you consider affirming in your heart that you're willing to take a stand with him so that when he comes back, he will take you with him and your loved ones? So I'm going to lead us in a very important prayer. And this God of justice who desires that we help those who are less fortunate than we is also asking you to follow him and trust him as friend, forgiver of your sins, and Lord. So will you pray with me? And, um, and for some of you, this might be the first day you commit your life to Christ. And I pray you're not doing it out of fear, but because it's the right thing to do. And I learned that from reading C.S. Lewis's Mere Christianity. You come to the point, it's not because of fear of what will I get, but you know now it's the right thing to do, and he indeed is the Lord. So please join me in prayer. <clears throat> Lord, it's hard to believe that some 2,000 years ago you told us what the last days may look like, and I don't know if these are the last days, only the Heavenly Father, you know, Lord, when that happens. But it's, there are people here who are saying, maybe this is all starting to make sense now. And I see that indeed you are the Lord. And for some, maybe who have been Christians for a while, are realizing, wow, I need to step it up and really recommit my life. This is serious. And you've given us the most serious caution of all of how important this is. So Lord, those who want to make a first-time commitment or a recommitment, may they just follow me in this prayer, which is basically saying sorry, thank you, and please. So Lord, sorry that maybe for a long time we have ignored you and not fully comprehended or taken the time to comprehend that you're very serious about how you want us to live. But Lord, I thank you that you're such a gracious, compassionate, merciful God that you forgive us our sins of ignorance, our sins of laziness, our sins of apathy. And so I ask now, Lord, please come into our lives. 
Fill us with your Holy Spirit. Lord, I commit for the very first time that I want to follow you because it's the right thing to do. And for some, there are here saying, Lord, I really want to recommit my life to you because maybe I've been on the sidelines and my hand has not really been on the plow. Lord, as people have said this prayer with great meaning in their hearts, because this is the first step of being courageous and bold and meaning what we say, as heads are bowed and eyes are closed, if anyone said either of those prayers, could they just raise their hand and say, I'm in, Lord, in a new way, if they could just raise their hands right now. You can put your hands down. Lord, I know you and the angels rejoice at seeing that. Bless them, Lord. Fill them with your spirit even more. And may they have the chance to maybe tell a friend or tell a staff member of this very important decision that they have made, that we can come alongside them and help them. And Lord, if there are those live streaming or online who made that choice, if they could just hit that commit button and I'd love to pray with somebody, maybe they would like to hit that too. Could they do so right now that they made a commitment to follow you, Lord? Before I give the final blessing, uh, if those of you who might want to pray with somebody right now, maybe the Holy Spirit stirred some things up or maybe has something to do with some physical healing or emotional or spiritual issue, um, the prayer team is available right out through the glass doors in that um, corner and in very um, serene and confidential setting, um, they would love to pray with you if you so desire. And again, just encourage you to join us at the Espresso Bar and uh, visitors, it's free coffee on us. And now receive this blessing. Oh, and don't forget to get your bundle of uh, cards at the welcome table. They're all ready to pass them out to you as you walk out. Take as many as you want. And now receive this blessing. May the Lord bless you and keep you. May his face shine upon you and his countenance be upon you. And may you know deep in your heart the wonderful love of God the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. In Christ's name, amen. On that day when Jesus made his entrance, the people were ready. It's a reminder for us today to accept Jesus and be ready for his return. If you want to catch up on or re-listen to previous services, you can find past sermons on our websites, fpchawaii.org and thevinehawaii.org. You can also find First Prez sermons on most major podcast services and on YouTube. First Prez invites you to church. There are two ways to worship, in person and online. Services are Sunday mornings at 8 a.m. and 10 a.m. at the Ko'olau campus 
or online at fpchawaii.org and thevinehawaii.org. Remember, when you visit the First Prayers website, sign up for those emails for links to sermons, daily devotionals, church news and updates, and lots more. And as always, if there's anything First Prayers can do for you, please reach out through the website or just call 808-532-1111. For Senior Pastor Dan Chun and the entire staff at First Prayers, I'm Michael Shishido. Until next time, God bless you, stay safe, and thank you for listening. This sermon podcast is copyright 2022 and produced by the Media Ministry of First Presbyterian Church of Honolulu.